Hello, hello, this is Silly Auntie Sissy, and welcome to the 9-11 episode of Silly Auntie Sissy Podcast. I'm here for you. I am. And there was about 10 years ago, a little story. Um, I'm your favorite auntie, by the way. Hello, hello, and Dino says hello, too. Hello, welcome to Silly Auntie Sissy, your favorite auntie. And Dino says, what is 9-11? Well, Dino, Dino, 9-11 was, and we gotta, and don't forget, we gotta educate people who weren't even alive then, you know. Like, there's about a hundred kids that didn't know their parents. And, and that's the truth, you know, they didn't, they didn't know their dads or their mom, or they knew their moms, right? But they didn't know their dads because they got killed. Now, there are some, of course, that didn't know their moms. Their moms died um, in 9-11. And then there's a lot that got the disease. Diseases like cancer and everything. Like skin cancer because of 9-11. And about 10 years ago, Dino, I was writing a a movie script. A movie script about 9-11. Well, and to answer your question, Dino, 9-11 is something very scary. It's, um, some people decided to bomb the World Trade Center. And they still talk about it in schools, and you'll learn about it. But it's very important to realize the truth. Um, about what happened in the world. Some say, and it doesn't matter... Why? I mean, I always feel sad. Some say there was also a bomb in there. It could have just been the planes. But, uh, even, what's his name? Um, he has an HBO TV show now about 9-11. Um, the director of Boys in the Hoods, Spike Lee. Um, he even said, had some talk about the the truth about 9-11 in there. So there's all kinds of things you can watch just to learn about it. The truth about 9-11 and why we went there and how long of a journey. It started in the 80s when Russia was there. And Afghanistan used to be um, the women could go to stores but we didn't, and they could do everything they wanted. They went to school. They had careers. They didn't have to wear headgear. And then it went south. It went sideways. And that's when things went really bad. And got really sad. For women over there. But it started in the 80s. And I was silly Auntie Sissy was only five years old at the time. Right? No, it was she eight. Me. That's me. I was only eight years old. See, 74. 
Seven years old. Sorry. Seven years old. Even adults make mistakes. I was seven years old at the time. And so it went all the way from the 80s when the Russians came trying to stop these people. Then they left. Then a few years later, we went back with Devered Storm in 91. And then we stopped and we thought we made a difference. And then that was it. And then we left. And then they got mad and they destroyed him. That. And so that's why so many people are mad now that we left. Because they're afraid it's going to happen again. It might not happen the same way, but we'll see. Um, there's a lot of documentaries you can watch. I've been watching on Magnolia and Discovery Channel a bunch about the kids. The hundred kids that... And of course they didn't have all hundred, just a few of the kids. There's another one that had like five of them. Um, but, um, there's one that had three and one had five and just told their stories about losing their dads. And then the one that had about five or six, I think they had some kids who lost their moms due to other issues, you know, because 9-11. But, um, so that was yesterday. And I would recommend some of those documentaries for anyone to watch to learn more about 9-11 so history doesn't repeat itself again. For people like my niece, you know, I would hate it. So it's always a very sad day for those who went through it and everyone remembers where they were during 9-11 if you were alive you know just like with JFK those who were around knew where they were ah oi but that's a sad thing but because it's a 9-11 day I thought we should just read I feel like I want to read a little bit more of Secret Garden today. Another chapter of Secret Garden because it's very important we just stay happy. And there's also a very good love story about a plane. You can type this in. It's on Apple TV about 9-11, by the way. And, and a love story about a plane and two complete strangers who met. And... And they decided to be together. They found each other and they fell in love because they would have never met if their plane hadn't been like diverted. Like 7,000 planes were diverted to this small town in Canada. And you can watch it on Apple TV if you have it. It's a really good story. Um, I like it. And, well, I read in time magazine people magazine and it's out now about the documentaries and you can also you can google it and find all the documentaries out there but um but i really feel like it's important i was writing a little screenplay about 9-11 and the kids in 9-11 and the parents 
and how they had to refine themselves as the kids were growing up and it was hard and now I'm writing it as a book for and I'll let you guys know when it's out it's almost done for a contest and then I'm gonna put it out to the public after that um, I'll let you know where but let's read this the cry in the corridor Oh, and everyone should watch Cinderella. That's a great story, too. Having nothing to do with 9-11. Okay, now we're on to the cry in the corridor. Remember when we left off, uh, Ben had told Mary, forget about it, just leave me alone. At first, each day which passed by for Mary Lennox was exactly like the others. Every morning she woke in her tapered room and found Martha kneeling upon the hearth, building her fire. Every breakfast, every morning she ate her breakfast in the nursery, which had nothing amusing in it. And after each breakfast she gazed out the window across to the huge moor, which seemed to spread out on all sides and climb up to the sky. And after she had started for a while, after she had stared for a while, she realized that it did not go out. She would have to stay in and do nothing. And so she went out. She did not know that this was the best thing she could have done. And she did not know when she began to walk quickly or even run along the paths and down the avenue. She was stirring her slow blood and making herself stronger by fighting with the wind which swept down from the moor. She ran only to make herself warm and she hated the wind which rushed at her face and roared and held her back as if it were some giant she could not see. But the big breath of rough, fresh air blew over her further, filled her lungs with something which was good for her, whole thin body, and whipped some red color into her cheeks and brightened her dull blue eyes when she did not know anything about. She just did it for fun or out of boredom. But after a few days spent almost entirely outdoors, she wakened one morning not knowing what it was to be hungry. And when she sat down to her breakfast, she did not glance disdainfully at her porridge and push it away, but took up her spoon and began to eat and went on eating until her bowl was empty. This got on well enough with this morning, didn't you? said Martha. It tastes nice today, said Mary, feeling a little surprised herself. If there's air on the moor that's given the stomach for the vitals, it's lucky for thee that thou's got vactals as an appetite, said Martha. There's been twelve in our cottage as had the stomach and nothing to put in it. You go on playing outdoors every day and you'll get some flesh on your bones and you won't be so yeller. I don't play, said Mary. I have nothing to play with. Nothing to play with, explained Martha. Our children play with sticks and stones. There just runs about and shouts and looks at things. Mary did not shout, but she looked at things. There was nothing else to do. She walked around and around the gardens and wandered about the paths in the park. Sometimes she looked for Ben, Weather's staff, but, some, but though several times she saw him at work, he was too busy to look at her or was too snarly. Once when she was walking toward him, he picked up his spade and turned away as if he did it on purpose. One place she went to oftener than any other. It was a long walk outside the garden with the walls around them. There were bare flower beds on each side of it, and against the, the wall 
where the creeping dark green leaves were more bushy than anywhere. It seemed as if for a long time that part had been neglected. The rest of it had been chipped and made to look neat, but at this lower end of the walk it had not been trimmed at all. A few days after she had talked to Ben Weatherstaff, Mary stopped to notice this and wondered why it was so. She had just paused and was looking up at a long spray of ivy swinging in the wind when she saw a gleam of scarlet and heard a brilliant chirp, and there on top of the wall perched Ben Weatherstaff's robin redbreast, tilting to look at her. <gasps> oh, she cried out, it is you, isn't it? And it did not seem at all queer to her that she spoke to him as if they were sure that he would understand and answer her. He did answer. He twitted and chirped and hopped, and hopped along the wall as if he were telling her all sorts of things. It seemed to Mistress Mary as if she understood him, too. Although he was not speaking in words, it was just as if he said, Good morning! Isn't the wind nice? Isn't the sun nice? Isn't everything nice? Let us both chirp and hop and twitter. Come on, come on. Mary began to laugh as he, as he hopped and took little flights along the wall. She ran after him. Poor little thin, shallow, ugly Mary. She actually looked almost pretty for a moment. I like you, I like you, she cried out, pattering down the walk. And she chirped and tried to whistle, which last she did, not knowing how to in the least. But the robin seemed to be quite satisfied and chirped and whistled back at her. At last he spread his wings and made a darting flight to the top of the tree where he perched and sang loudly. That reminded Mary of the first time she had seen him. He had been swinging on the treetop then. She had been sitting, standing in the orchard. Now she was on the other side of the orchard and standing in the path outside a wall, much lower down and there was the same tree inside. It's in the garden no one can get to, she said to herself. It's a garden without a door. He lives there. How I, how I wish I could make it inside and see what it's like. She ran up the walk to the green door. She had entered the first morning. Then she ran down the path to the other door, then into the orchard, and when she stopped and looked over there, there was a tree on the other side of the wall, and there was a robin just finishing his song and beginning to preen his feathers with his beak. It is the garden, she said. I'm sure it is. She walked round and round. Then she ran through the kitchen gardens again and out into the walk outside the long ivory-colored wall, and she walked to the end of it and looked at it, but there was no door, and then she walked to the other end, looking again, but there was no door. It's very queer, she said. Ben Weatherstaff said there was no door, and there is no door, but there must have been one ten years ago, because Mr. Craven buried the key. This gave her so much to think about, she began to be quite interested and feel that it was not sorry. She was not sorry that she had come to Mistlethwaite Manor, after all. In India, she had always felt hot and too languid to care much about anything. The fact was that the fresh wind from the moor had begun to blow the cobwebs out of her brain, and to waken her up a little. She stayed out of doors nearly all day, and when she sat down to supper at night, she felt hungry and drowsy and comfortable. She did not feel cross when Martha chattered away. She felt as if she rather liked to hear her, and at last she thought she would ask her a question. She asked if after she had finished her supper and had sat down on the hearth before the fire, 
Why did Mr. Craven have hate the garden? She said. She had made Martha stay with her, and Martha had not objected at all. She was very young and used to a crowded cottage full of brothers and sisters, and she found it dull in the great servants' hall downstairs where the footmen and upper housemaids made fun of her Yorkshire speech, and looked up down upon her common little thing, and sat and whispered among themselves, Martha liked to talk, and the strange child who lived in India had and been waited upon blacks was novelly enough to attract her. She sat down on the hearth herself without waiting to be asked. Aren't thou thinking about that garden yet? she said. I know thou would. That was just the way with me when I heard about it. Why did he hate it? Mary persisted. Martha tucked her feet under her and made herself quite comfortable. Listen to the wind weathering around the house, she said. You could bear stand up in the moor if you were out in tonight. Mary did not know what weathering meant until she listened, and then she understood. It just meant the hollow-sounding sort of a roar, which rushed around and around the house as if the giant, as if it were the giant no one could see, were buffing it and beating the walls and windows to try to break in, but one knew he could not get in. And somehow it made one feel very safe and warm inside a room with a red coal fire. But why did he hate it so she asked after she had listened she intended to know if martha did the martha gave up her store of knowledge mine she said mrs medlock said it's not to be talked about there's a lot of things in this place that's not to be talked about there's mr craven's orders his troubles are none servant's business he says but for the garden he wouldn't be like he is it was mrs craven's garden and that she had made when first they were married, and she just loved it. And they used to tend the flowers themselves, and none of the gardeners were ever let go in. Him, he used, him and her used to go in and shut the door and stay there hours and hours reading and talking. And, and she was just a bit of a girl, and there was an old tree with a branch bent like a seat on it. And she made roses grow over it, and she used to sit there. But one day when she was sitting there, the branch broke, and she fell on the ground and, and was hurt so bad the next day she died. The doctors thought he'd go out on his mind and die, too. That's why he hates it. No one's never gone in since, and he won't let anyone talk about it. Mary did not ask any more questions. She looked at the red fire and listened to the wind weathering. It seemed to be weathering louder than ever. At that moment, a very good thing happened to her. Four good things had happened to her, in fact, since she came to Mistlethwaite Manor. She had felt as if she had understood a robin, and that he had understood her. She had run in the wind until her blood had grown warm. She had been healthily hungry for the first time in her life, and she had found out what it was like to be sorry for someone. But as she was listening to the wind, she began to listen to something else. She did not know what it was, because at first... She could scarcely distinguish it from the wind itself. It was a curious sound. It seemed almost as if a child were crying somewhere. Sometimes the wind sounded rather like a child crying, but presently Mistress Mary felt quite sure the sound was inside the house, not outside. It was far away, but it was inside. She turned and looked at Martha. Did you hear anyone crying? She said. Martha suddenly looked confused. No, she answered. It's the wind. Sometimes it sounds as if someone was lost on the moor and wailing. It's got all sorts of sounds. But listen, said Mary, in the house, down one of those long corridors. 
and at that very moment a door must have been opened somewhere downstairs for a great rustling draft blew along the passage and the door of the room they sat in was blown open with a crash as they both jumped to their feet the light was blown out and the crying sound and remember people had the light was blown out because they had candles the crying sound was swept down the far corridor so that it was too to be heard more plainly than ever there said mary i told you so it is someone crying and it isn't a grown-up person martha ran and shut the door and turned the key before she did it they both heard the sound of a door in some faraway passage shouting with a bang and then everything was quiet for even the wind ceased withering for a few moments it was a wind martha said stubbornly and if it wasn't it was a little betty butterworth the scullery maid she's had the toothache all day but something troubled and awkward in her manners made mistress mary stare very hard at her she did not believe she was speaking the truth there was someone crying there was and that's the next chapter wonder who it is do you guys know wow we'll find out tomorrow well thanks for listening and remember about 9-11 watch all those beautiful movies we will never forget